0: listening to Sermons on TV CC Radio. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Buenos dias. How's everybody doing today? Everybody's good? Happy to be alive. You got your coffee and everybody's good. Ready to roll. Um, I'm trying to use my phone today to change slides. We might have some technical difficulty. That's why we got Alberto back there in (laughs) place. Thank you so much, man. All right, here we go. I'm going to continue where we was last week, but there's a bit of a lot of recap on this and uh, stuff I added on. There's just so many things. Uh, Everybody say this first word if it changes. What does that say? Shock. 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 Um, Did you feel the earthquake this past week? I did feel it. I was sitting on the couch. I just sat down on the couch. And all of a sudden, the couch starts moving off the wall. I was like, this is not normal. <laughs> and, and, and at first, before I noticed, like, I'm, like, sliding a little bit, I was like, I think I'm moving. And, and after all the other earthquakes, you're trying to register, like, is this, am I making this up in my head? Or, or am I actually feeling this? And then I saw the lamp going clank, 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 against the wall, so I was like, ah, earthquake. And then what do you do? You go to Facebook to see everybody else's comments. Like, am I the only one? And then it's like a billion comments. Hey, it's, a, it's an earthquake. I, I think Anna or somebody sent me a video of an earthquake happening in Chile, like in this, uh, a lot of like 40, 50 people sitting there, a big earthquake, and everybody's just sitting there. It's like, I don't think I will ever be desensitized to an earthquake. I think it's going to give me shock every time. And and, and it makes me move, okay? Uh, And I'm going to try to start using that kind of word, shock. As a matter of fact, just the other day, I walk in the backyard of our house into the back door, and I, I, I pull open the door, I step into our house, and something jumped on my ear. It latched onto my ear. You know what it was? It wasn't Lorenzo, and it wasn't Anna Maria. I've been flying to the floor. I, I just reached up, and it, it threw me in a shock, and I, I kind of panicked. I was like, something is on my head. I grab it. It's a lizard. I mean, he just literally did a nosedive right onto my ear. Uh, how many of you would panic if that happened to you? Would you like, what would you do? <laughs> like, ah! and throw that poor thing. Um, I mean, literally, I went in shock. I guess twice this happened to me in Puerto Rico, with a lizard, lizard literally jumping on my head. Um I don't mind the lizards that much. I mean, I'd rather it be a lizard than a snake or bird poop and stuff like that, okay? Uh I, I was watching a video last night on Facebook, right? Um that somebody shared. It just left me in shock. The the video showed a woman getting on this Delta flight. She walks in and some woman with her child started filming this woman uh because she was irate mad and just really being a punk. She sits she goes to sit down beside this 19 year old mother of a little baby, and then the woman starts yelling, I'm not going to sit beside a no crying baby. I'm not going to sit there. I mean, she would go crazy if Lorenzo was beside her. Like, it wouldn't last at all. And here comes the flight attendant for Delta. She come rushing in, getting in between them. The little baby was not even crying. The woman was just running her mouth, and uh, it left me in shock. And the flight attendant's like, What's the matter? I'm not sitting beside no crying babies. Like, the, the, the baby's not crying. Yeah, but I'm not going to do it. You're going to have to move me. And then uh, the, the flight attendant like started saying, well, we'll try to move you to another flight. That's what we'll do. We'll try to give you on the next flight. And the woman says, I work for the governor of New York. And, and, and you know what? If you move me, you're lucky if you even have a job by tomorrow. And then the, the flight attendant turned around. Evidently, the captain had come out and she goes, I want this woman off the flight. And the captain's like, uh, out. And then the woman's like, no, man, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be that way. And they kicked her off the flight. Then it went into another video that realized that woman actually lost her job because the video went viral and the governor of New York and all that says, we don't have employees like that. Yelling at little 19, 19 year old woman with her little child. And she had to even move out of her state. She went from like New York to Maine uh, to get away from all this kind of stuff. Like uh, it leaves you in shock what people are capable of. And you know, our... Our, our theme is right now is temptation. And, and, and honestly, I've left myself in shock of the things that I've been capable of doing and or saying. Please tell me I'm not the only one that said too many words sometimes. <laughs> I said, I knew I should have kept my mouth shut and I kept running my mouth anyways, okay? Uh, I've been there, I've done that, but I've also been left in shock of what I've seen humanity capable of, what people give into, what we give in. Like, people that you love, you even believe in, and then you find out like, what they are actually capable of. They had a temptation. Listen, a temptation is not a sin. It's always going to be what you do with that. What decisions do you make after that pull that was led into your life? And so we're going to go right into these temptations. And, and, uh, and this is a large, large, large um, subject. We all face temptations. And you know what? Another shock to this message is supposed to be shocking to us. We're not supposed to be desensitized to the fact of what Jesus went through on our our behalf so that we can face the pain and the problems that we have in this world and in this life. And honestly, today, if you've failed, if you've given in to temptations in the past, if you've screwed up, if you've, you know, just made some blunders of decisions that we all have, there's forgiveness for us. Right here, right now, on the spot. You ask him, and you watch him go to work. It's all about the blood of Jesus that covers our life. It's not something that we can earn or pay for. It's a gift that comes from heaven, straight from Jesus Christ into our life. And so I say this, why Jesus had to be tempted, because we needed him to be tested. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the dentist. All right, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you like going to the dentist. Uh, Anna Maria is the only human being that's like, yay, we get to go to the dentist. Um, (laughs) As soon as Anta brings up the dentist word, I I, I get nervous. Uh, I I don't want to go. It terrifies me. But let's just pretend the person that's doing work on your teeth, let's say they got to drill a hole in your tooth. And then you go and get this person's uh, history in college and you find out this person had D's and C's all through dental school, and they barely passed, would you still want them to drill in your teeth? What what about, I had that big liver surgery. Uh, At Duke University, I'm thinking, these people that are gonna be cutting me in half almost, I'm thinking in my head, they have to be the best of the best of the best of the best. That means they have to have been tested. I need them to be tested before they start cutting into my flesh. Honestly, I'd almost rather go through a liver surgery and go to the dentist. I hate that so much. We had somebody just had our wisdom teeth cut out. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to get into that, but I had a blast, man, when they cut my teeth out. I mean, it's... A drug-induced haze, <laughs> and then it snowed, and we didn't have school for two weeks. I just remember that. I was like, I didn't have to worry about anything. It was, we had a good time during that season of life, but anybody that does any kind of work on your body, you're hoping that they have been tested. Everybody say tested, so what we need here is Jesus to be tested. We need him to be on his A-game, right? Like, he, it has to be put to a test so that he can show us that he can follow through, that he is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. Because if he can go through this, and then he looks at you and says, oh, but they're going to kill me, but I'm going to walk out of my own grave, then you might start believing that he will do exactly what he says he can do, but he's going to have to be tested. Can Jesus follow through? Can he resist? And there's a lot of purpose to these temptations in this test, Right. If you have a math test, there's a purpose for that, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've walked by these classrooms before, and I've heard Mr. Young outside the door going, "I am in shock <laughs> while they're taking tests, uh, because you want them to pass. You're like, "I believe in you." OK, in this test, in this test, there, there's a satanic purpose, and there's this purpose of the God kind, right? The the purpose uh, from God is that I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you, okay? Whatever you throw at me, I'm going to make it through it, okay? Watch and see. Give me your best shot. I'm going to show you that I can resist. All right? But the satanic purpose is always just to lead you astray. Waste. Everybody say the word waste. It's just to absolutely waste and waste and waste and waste and waste away our, our uh, time. And so I'm going to go into what I'm calling this water to wilderness. Everybody say that. I want to tell you the truth. About two, about two years ago, I woke up about 3.30 a.m., four in the morning, and honestly, I wake up with my ideas I, uh, Anna Maria goes to bed with her ideas, and she wants to talk at 1 a.m. and 2 a.m., but I wake up at 4, 5, 6 a.m. with all my ideas. So I'm a morning person. Anna's a late-night person, right? So it's kind of difficult. I woke up about 4, 3.30, 4 a.m., and I had this title, Water to Wilderness, going through my head. So, and I had, like, a whole book in my head. I got up, I grabbed my laptop, and I started typing away. I even got, like, nine chapters. By the way, I'm working on this. Someday I'm going to make a book, and it's going to be called Water to Wilderness. Wilderness because so many things tend to be like in that order, water uh, to the wilderness. And then this text that we're looking at, it goes from water to wilderness that Jesus gets baptized. And next thing you know, he's out in the wilderness. It's just like when we're born. We were in that, 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 kept in that, from the water of the, the mother's womb. And then it's like, you come into this very hard world this like wilderness. And if you go back all the way at the beginning of time, when God created this earth, he creates the water, he creates this wilderness, this garden, and he makes mankind. Adam and Eve is in that garden. And then the tempter shows up. The devil shows up. Now, the temptation to eat this fruit, whatever it was, it's like human nature. Soon as you're told, don't look at that light right there, your flesh is like, it starts pulling towards that light. Like I, I, I have to prove something. I have to show this. I have to just rebel against whatever I've been told not to do. And, and, and the, and the devil shows up and, and starts tempting uh, Eve and it flows right on into Adam. And, uh, and what he said was a twist. He said, no, no, if you eat this fruit, it's not that it's just fruit. Fruit is good for us. We need to make eat fruit. We need to eat our vegetables. Okay. It's not that the fruit is bad. It's that Satan twisted it and says, if you eat this, if you do this, what I tell you, you are going to be like God. So the downfall of humanity, as soon as we start thinking we are God, we dethrone him. This is idolatry. This is where I set myself up. So the sin in the beginning is I'm going to be like God. That means, oh, I don't need you anymore. God, I'm fine all by myself. And then an earthquake happens, you realize you ain't in control. And then a tornado happens, you ain't in control. Where I'm from in North Carolina, it was like 76 degrees the other day. And then they had tornadoes in the mountain regions. And then it started snowing. This is how it's shifting. And then it started raining so much, it started messing up all the roads and everything started flooding. We ain't in control of that. We ain't no gods. I I even threw me in a shock Uh, on, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, that there was a, a, I think an Argentinian scientific lab in Argent or uh, in Antarctica, that the temperature was 65 degrees Fahrenheit. And a woman posted on that in Hawaii and says, uh, it's 64 degrees right now in Hawaii. It's literally hotter, warmer in Antarctica than it was Hawaii. We are not in charge. We are not gods. We're not ever going to be. So in the Garden of Eden, there was a fall. There was a temptation. There was a fall. You think you're going to be God. Even though they had everything, everything, probably the best, most healthiest food you could ever eat in your entire life. The best of the best was right there, but they just had to go to that one And then time passes and years pass and God creates the nation of Israel, right? They're enslaved in the nation of Egypt. And then Moses steps up, Pharaoh, let my people go. He said no. And then they go through the 10 plagues. And at the 10th plague, finally they're let loose and they go and they march towards the Red Sea. And what does the Red Sea do? It parts on their behalf. I want you to imagine the scenario. They watched that happened. They watched it happen. They watched the water part. They watched it swallow up some of the Egyptian army once they crossed to the other side. And they went in, they got the Ten Commandments, and they go through all this process. They seen this miracle. They seen God work. They seen all this. And then they still ended up wandering in the desert for how many years? And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 5, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. It was in the wilderness where they lost their way. And honestly, Adam and Eve in the wilderness is where they lost their way. The nation of Israel, which was like somebody's going to bring the law of God, the Old Testament into the world to try to bring in salvation that would lead to Jesus, is where they lost their way. And where will we lose our way? In our wilderness, in our trials, in the temptations that we live in this life. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. I feel like this is tough. Because in the Garden of Eden, they had everything to eat. What did they eat while they were wandering in the desert? What was that called? Yeah. Manna. you literally raining bread. They didn't have all the stuff the Garden of Eden had, but here you got Lemmy's bread. Come on down. That's nice. La in Kenya, nice selection. Um, eat it up and don't save it because it'll come fresh every day. It's a fresh. That's awesome. But here Jesus shows up. Gets baptized, and it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he'd be tested by the, and tempted by the devil himself. And Jesus is not even going to eat. 40 days. 40 straight days. You, honestly, I hate to say this, but what I feel like Jesus is doing, he's calling on, I want to rematch. Adam and Eve failed. Okay? They, they failed. The nation of Israel, they all failed. Everybody screwed up. I'm coming in here, give me 40 days. I'm not even going to eat. Forget the manna. Forget all the fruit in the garden. I don't need any of that stuff. I'm going to be at my weakest. I'm going to be starving to death. Bring it on. I want a rematch. I'm going to resist for you. I just think it's impressive. I just got a couple of texts that I feel like I got to go through. I don't know if it's going to change. There it is. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, everybody say that word, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not. He knows. Uh, You feel weak? He knows what that feels like. You feel pulled in a wrong direction? Yeah, he he understands it. We need him to be tested like this. I, I don't know how many times as a kid, and I hope I'm not pulling out anybody that's a teenager here, but when I was a teenager, I would constantly look at my mom and dad and say, oh, you don't know what it's like. (laughs) You don't know what this is, what this feels like. And someday Lorenzo's going to look at me and say, he's got the audacity to tell me that when I have screwed up under temptations all my life, I most definitely know what it feels like to be tempted. I'm going to get irate. The first time Lorenzo turns 11 or 12 and says, daddy, you don't know. Uh, I do know. I'm just saying, you take all these other religions, all this kind of stuff, but when you get down to Jesus Christ, everybody say, Jesus! Jesus. He knows. He knows how you feel. That is the most beautiful thing. I- I'm just saying, sometimes the most healing and peaceful thing that could be for our life is just to know that He, un- he understands. He knows. He's not so far off. That means I- He knows that that feel, that, that pull, that that maybe that loneliness or, or, or whatever it is, that struggle that you're going through, he knows. He's been tested. He's been pushed. He's been pulled. He's been stretched. He's been ripped. He's had all those feels come his way. But I did hear a pastor in North Carolina talk about this one time, and it did crack me up. Because he said, yeah, but Jesus, you were tempted in every way, but you didn't have Amazon. <laughs> I don't think it's Amazon. I think it's credit cards. <laughs> it's like, the problem is the credit card oh but he knows he knows he knows how he feel i think for us this is part of our problem i want to see if this changes from proverbs you know i use the message version of the bible for this text because it's just so simple um i I think part of our downfall when it comes to temptations is when we try to deal with it alone when when you just try to deal with there's only one that can really fulfill this alone that's going to be jesus I and mean, when it comes to us, there's so many things in life that you're, that's set up against you, and you're not ever alone. It's that we're afraid to get help when we struggle. We're scared. But I just don't want to bother you. I don't want to bother you. But if you need help, you need help. If you need to talk, you got to talk. I, I would say not getting help will be a very prideful thing when we just think, I'll just figure it out myself. I'll just go through this myself, but you won't make it. The chances are you won't last. It says first pride, then the? That's what we're trying to avoid. (laughs) We're trying to avoid the crash and burn. We're trying to get help. We're actually trying to find strength. This is the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And and if you see this, I put Matthew 26... verse 41. This is where Jesus goes up to the disciples. He goes, no, no, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. This is that famous verse where it says the spirit is willing, but the, you know that the, the, the flesh is weak. Okay. Now we know. You ever felt that? Like, uh, that's why I wanted everybody to read Romans 8. You feel that good that's like, I got to go do this. This is the right thing to do. But then your flesh is like fish hooking you, pulling you in this whole other direction. And you feel that like you're being ripped in pieces, your flesh just battling against God. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then so I want to look at this one. It says, Paul, again, from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, I think this is good to know. I mean... That we have to be careful how we judge each other, because we all face similar things. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not um, allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. It says, "When you are tempted, everybody read it with me. He will show you a way out so that you can endure." Isn't that nice? Listen, if God's going to show you a way out, that means he's with you. I think a lot of people, they get on a guilt trip because they feel tempted. And then they think, well, because I'm tempted with this, then God is not with me. When, when God here is saying, no, no, I'm with you. Just let me show you the way out. The question is, will you go through the door that he opens for you? Will he? If, you open, if he opens a window for you, get out of that situation, man. You're going to crash and burn. You're not going to figure this out yourself. I sent you help. Take it, take it, go with it, go with it. What an encouragement. That's why I brought up last week, and those that weren't here, uh, I'm reading a book called "Boundaries." which in, you can order it on uh, Amazon for like $5, a Spanish version, um, if you want to look at that. But it, it's by Henry Cloud about how we set up boundaries that, uh, that, uh, that I need to set in place. This is where I end and where you begin, but I need to know who I am. And there's like rules of thumbs in our life that I'm not going to go across this line. I've established it myself. You're trying to pull me into a place of life where I'm not going to go because I've set up this kind of boundary and how beautiful that is that God provides a way out. Because honestly, I look at the problems that people have, uh, when we don't have boundaries, we don't set it up. And I look at these kinds of questions. Where does greed even come from? You, you probably know Ephesians chapter six. I didn't put this on the board. Ephesians chapter six says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, stand. Everybody say stand. Stand. That doesn't mean so you can run away. In in the full armor of God, there's no back piece. It's all frontal. That means get up, stand, and defend. Don't lay down and die. Stand up and defend. Put the boundary down and understand you're a child of God. There's so much more to this life. Don't let a little arrow coming from the devil take your life out. Because honestly, the things that destroy human beings can usually be just little bitty things that turn into massive problems. You mess with that drug once, it turned into something that you never intended it uh, to be. L- let me confess this. Let me confess this. When I graduated high school, when I, gra- I gotta be careful because we're live. I'm not gonna say names or anything like that, all right? Be careful. When we graduated high school, I was a complete punk. You might still think I am. Um, <laughs> Mr. Young's like, you still are. <laughs> I, I, I had a big crowd of friends, and we drove out to South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. I had a lot of marijuana with me, okay? We, we were just gonna get drunk and drugged and fight and be stupid, that just have fun, whatever. I had a friend with me that was a purebred athlete and had a full ride scholarship, right? Uh, to a, a university in North Carolina. He didn't do drugs, okay? He's not one of those kind of guys, he's strong. Um, and he didn't want to pollute his body. And I had a whole bag of marijuana. I'm rolling these joints. I go into the bathroom of our hotel, and I shut the door, and I block it with my body, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to fill the whole bathroom with weed, smoke, so I would make him high. And he's like, get that away from me. Get that away from me. I was like, smoke it, smoke it, smoke it. I just kept shoving it on his face, just shoving it until finally he, he took it. He smoked it. And he had a blast. And we had a blast with him. He was hilarious. I remember us going out trying to order seafood. And he couldn't order it. And we were like, ah, this is the greatest thing ever. Next day, we do it again. We do it again. We do it again. We do it again. He ends up flunking out of college because he can't stop that flow. It turns into other things. And he basically, through years and years, seemed to have destroyed his life. Like he threw it away. One day after I became a Christian, I I called him up. I called this person up, and I, and I was like, I I want to take you back to that day we were in the hotel room, and I can't get this out of my head, that I kept trying to force this on you, and you didn't want to do it. I was like Satan, man, in the flesh, like, just do it, just do it, just do it, and, and he finally, and you did. I just wanted to apologize for what I did to you. I, I didn't at the time, I thought it was joke, I thought it was funny. I didn't think there would be actually like consequences to this kind of decision. I don't know where that came from in me. I'm, I'm just sorry. He got mad at me. He's like, Brian, do you, he, he could kill me, right? He always, he's always bigger, faster, and stronger. He goes, Brian, I could have kicked your butt right there on the spot. I appreciate you apologizing, but you don't need to. I made the decision. Yeah, you put pressure on me, <laughs> but I still decided to do it. And I have so many stupid stories like that. Where does, it, where does that stuff come from? Not thinking that this, is gonna co- this could cost you your life, your future. It was fun and games here. That's why over and over, I know twice at least, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, I think Psalms and the book of Peter that says avoid the evils of youth. Like there's a reason for that because if you don't put boundaries up when you're young, these little things can take you over 10, 15, 20 years from now. And next thing you know, 20 years has passed, and you're like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Where, where does this stuff come from? Where does sexual harassment come from? I, I've been watching. Did you ever watch um, To Catch a Predator with Chris Hansen? Do you all know what I'm talking about? To catch It's embarrassing and funny and terrible. Um, they kind of, what do you call it, like catfish? They pretend to be little boys and girls that lure these pedophiles to come meet with them that would abuse them. Now on YouTube, you have predator poachers. you got all kinds. And and I sit there and watch some of these videos of them going and confronting these these grown men and women that are trying to sexually abuse little kids as young as 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Where does that stuff come from? You see the importance of having boundaries, not only just for you, but for your kids. I, was, I, I watched some of these videos, uh, predator poachers, stuff like that, like uh, to catch a predator with Chris Hansen, and I think there are kids, there are men that would be happy to take my son Lorenzo and abuse him. And I have a boundary. <laughs> I don't want to be a helicopter dad, but I got a boundary and a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Where does bullying come from? Where does arrogance, where does selfishness come from? Because we've all been there and some of these, man, have certainly fought arrogance and selfishness, greed. It's like the the Ephesians 6. You're going to have to take your stand against the devil's schemes because all he does is just throws those stupid, crazy arrows out of nowhere. And here comes that feel that tries to take you over. And honestly, I think from the devil's point of view, when he gets Jesus out in the wilderness, he he catches Jesus hungry. Are you guys hungry? Can I ask you a question? Do you make good decisions when you're hungry? (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) We make some of the worst decisions in life when we are hungry, right? Why did I eat that extra 10 cupcakes? (laughs) I, I, you know, that's a lot. It's like, you, you, when you're hungry, does anybody get hangry? You, I got one back there. You're like, when you're hungry, you get mad. <laughs> I bet Anna Maria and myself, we've had fights just because we're hungry. Like, we just needed a piece of pizza, man. Calm that down. Uh, there's been times where like, just eat this cracker, man. Or something Here's a piece of bread. Uh, I, I But think about this. Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's going to be tested by the devil himself. And when you're hungry is when you're at your weakest. But I want to play with that word just for a bit. Because Proverbs 16:27 says, idle hands. Can y'all see that? Read it for me. What does it say? Idle? What's idle hands? I'm bored. <laughs> and you know what my problem was as a kid up through high school and my first college is that we were bored to death. And when we were bored, we had idle hands. And we found trouble just like that. And when, you, and when you get bored and you get idle hands, lust starts happening in you, and you're like, I got to get into something. And normally it's something that goes down some temptation path that's going to lead to a crash and burn at some point. I could tell you story after story. I'm not going to do that because we are live, and it would be very embarrassing. Uh, idle hands are definitely the workshop of the devil. This is why I would say, you know, there's another point to this for you and I. We have to be busy doing what God wants us to do. We have to be busy. Find out what's your niche, what's your, what's your gift under God. What, how can I serve God? How can I serve in this church? How can I bless other people? How can I bless this community? How can I bless God by just giving out back into the community and other people's lives? Because when we're not giving back, we tend to get idle hands. And when we get idle hands, here comes those schemes. And next thing you know, you're like, dude, five years passed. I haven't done anything. Ten years passed. I haven't done anything. It's just idle hands can just sometimes take you uh, down these other paths and these other places. You know, it's like the devil catches you hungry. You're bored. For Jesus, he literally was hungry. And he's going to throw on. And I get to where I ended up last week. And all this is new material today. And the tempter came to him and said, say those words, if you are. Doesn't that sound like a test if you are? Prove to me. Show me what you're made of. Okay, If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Do you think Jesus could do that easily? Of course. Can he do it? Yes. Do what he wants. It's like you would never look at that and say, well, that's sinful to turn that stone into bread. That's not like one of those things that you would be like, that's just sin. We stay away from it. You do not, I've never, I'm never in my life going to get mad at Lorenzo for turning a rock into a piece of bread. We don't do that in this house, buddy. We serve the Lord. We don't turn stones into bread. It's, it's an odd thing. But what has Jesus not done in 40 days? Have you ever been alone for 40 days? What's the longest you've ever been alone? <laughs> Four? Two minutes? Oh, my goodness. If you leave Adam Maria alone for 10 seconds, she's like, "Mm, mama, what's up? (laughs) I I can do it. I can go for a while. I can go for a while. I took a test in college about my personality and said I was a monk. Kind of made me feel bad. I was like, I'm never going to get married. Nobody's going to like me. Um, I did. I went out camping by myself in the Smokies one time because I wanted to see if I can do it. And, uh, and I did it, but I, I was actually really nervous. <laughs> because if you're up in the Smoky Mountains, and there's no cell phone signal or anything like that, um, and, and, like, at 1 a.m., I remember, like, I'm in the mountains, and you've got coyotes, you've got deer, we've got bears, we've got rattlesnakes, we've got wild hogs, and a lot of those things are dangerous. Um, and I remember, like I'm sitting by my own campfire by myself, and I really went to spend time with God. That's it. And and then you see a one little light in the distance approaching, on the trail, in the Smoky Mountains. I was like, if you see one light, that means somebody alone is coming towards you. And here I am alone. I'm think, what kind of weirdo would hike it, the Smokies <laughs> alone? I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> just some lone traveler, like weirdo. He's like, hey guys. Yeah, he just walks on by. Uh, It still made me nervous. I was nervous all night. Um, A deer came up and grazed by the tent. I have a tent where if you're laying on your back, you can see a 360-degree view, like just if you're laying on your back, and a deer was, like, grazing my tent. But when you hear the (laughs) walking, you're like, it's a bear. I mean, you just think it's the worst. It was a deer that could, I guess, smell all my candy bars or something. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, man, but think Jesus is totally alone, 40 days. He's hungry. And then, then the first one is lust of the flesh. Prove yourself to me. Lust of the flesh. Everybody say the word lust. lust. This is the arrow of the devil. He's going to hit you physically. Say the word physically. physically. This is a physical. That means just give me the convenience. Like just satisfy me. I, I don't know how else to say it. Like he's trying to, if you are, prove yourself by satisfying yourself. And you would think that wouldn't be wrong. But it would be wrong by listening to the devil. Even if he told you a good thing. You don't tell me what to do. I'm just saying when you get to this, the best way for it to be a temptation for us is when, when you say, I, I'm tempted in my flesh because I feel like saying it. I feel like doing it. I know you feel like it, but count the cost of what comes next. I just feel like, man, sometimes the devil's got like a bag of seeds as well. You know the parable of the sower, where he's like a farmer throwing that seed out, and some, some landed among thorns, some among rocks, and, and, and some in good soil and plant. I feel like the devil is like that as well, like a copycat, and he's throwing out these seeds of, of hatred. He's throwing out seeds of doubt. He's throwing out seeds of uh, confusion and chaos and crazy doubt. Uh, Oh, you're not going to enjoy your life unless you spend all your money on that thing on Amazon. I'm just saying that that thought, that idea just comes out of like thin air. Like he hit you with the arrow and and you're going to have to be like less of the flesh. Just just stop. And then Jesus answers. There it goes. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How simple is that an answer? In other words, he said, nope you don't live on that. Give me what will last. Give me what will last. We live for what will last. The lust of the flesh is something temporary, and you're going to have to make that judgment. This right here could take me down a path I don't want. If I do this decision, my flesh says yes with everything it's got. I want to go do this, but if I do this, it's just temporary. Will it cost me? Will this cost me my future? Will this cost me my kids? Will this cost me Maybe just give a an simple answer. Nope, not today. And remember, he said, you don't. he quotes the scripture to him. So then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. They say that's like over 100 feet, 150 feet maybe tall. Here it is again. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. Remember, Jesus just said, for scripture says, for scripture says. So now what the devil does, he's going to now start quoting Psalm 91 of all things back at Jesus Christ. The devil himself is quoting Psalm 91, using it against Jesus because Jesus just said, you only live off every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is interesting. They were in the wilderness. I don't know how all this went down, but I've heard some people believe that Satan didn't actually take him physically to the highest point of that temple but he took him there in his mind because they also say the devil's playground is right here in your head self control is part of the fruit of the spirit can you control your thoughts when that that crazy idea literally you know what satan is telling him jump off commit suicide jump off. But this is an emotional plea. This is one where, well, if God loves me, he won't let this happen to me. It's kind of like where you, you need to see a miracle. He's trying to put Jesus in this place where, where whereas if he needed to see a miracle, see for Jesus, I think that he's, he's, I think the first test was hard. I think the first one was like, I'm hungry. But on this one, he's like, it's not going to happen. Throw yourself off. It's an emotional test. It's, a, it's an, a test of identity, Guys, both of these. All of these tests are, are, are what Satan throws at you. a temptation is to question your identity. Are you a child of God or not? Listen, I want you to leave here today knowing full well, you belong to Jesus Christ, and He loves you. OK? This life is hard. This life is the wilderness. And he's throwing these physical and emotional tests and junk your way. You've already fought it. You've already been there. So today, if you've failed or if you've passed, whatever it is, we pick ourselves up and we stand up again and we're going to keep going forward knowing I am a child of God. You have to know your identity in Jesus. You have to know who you are in God. Listen, I know I'm loved and I want you to know that you're loved. he quotes Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you. They'll lift up your, your hand so that you won't strike your foot against a stone. And then Jesus responds, simple answer. The scriptures also say you don't test the Lord your God. Nope. Don't test me. Do not test me. I just, I like how Jesus is not trying to argue with the devil. He's not trying to say, well, you know what, if this was next week, maybe, but not right now. I don't feel like throwing myself off right now, I'm trying to put on a show for you, because I don't have anything to prove to you. And now what the world does to us, show me what you're made of. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. You want to know why? Because you're a child of God.